As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live, but we have to let this stream breathe just for a few seconds. Make sure we're nice and stable. Welcome in. Everybody to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. And with me, as always, is my partner in crime, my fellow football priest in a unique attire combination of uh, hat and T-shirt. But Zach Kelberman, why don't you show our our great audience, our great community, this new T-shirt that you rock? And we've plugged it before from the merch store, but show them. Show them how it looks. Hold on, let me get rid of the banner so they can yes. see it better. There. Let me get my oh, and now it's got your, your handle. Okay. Let them hate. Let them hate. Girl. Let them hate. The back, on the back, uh, it's the Huddle Up podcast. Yeah, oh, keep, going, keep going. Turn the other way. Turn the other way. Turn to your left. Yeah. There. You got locked in hashtag in the Huddle Up pod logo. I love it, dude. These have been selling like freaking crazy since we debuted them. Yeah, literally got it out of the box an hour ago, put it on. It fits pretty snug, Chad, but very high quality. Not to kind of, you know, pimp our own product right now, but I'm very happy with how they turned out. And uh, <laughs> anyone anyone who's ordered them, let me know how you like it. I'm very happy to wear it. And uh, I have to say it's pretty uh, stylish and relevant right now for the Broncos. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looks good. Zach, not a whole lot of breaking news <clears throat> per se to, to necessarily convey to our community here tonight. However... There was an interesting article that was put out here by Mike Kliss uh, of Nine News. I want to say it was last night. It might have been this morning, but an interesting look at the DeMar Dotson signing, and I think it was the first media availability, the first Denver media guy that Dotson has talked to since since uh, signing, which is just a couple of days old, obviously, since he that was made official. But, Zach, a couple of interesting points that came out of Kliss's article is the fact that DeMar Dotson is all about manifest destiny. As soon as he heard that Juwan James had opted out, he reached out to his agent and said, call the Broncos, tell them I'm interested. He wanted to come to Denver. 
I don't blame him. I mean, he sees not only a, a pretty proud historic franchise, but he also sees a young up and coming offense, a young hotshot quarterback. And and Drew Locke's name, it's funny, in NFL circles from player to player, he has more of a reputation than he does in the national media. The players know what the Broncos are building, but DeMar Dotson also saw an opportunity, Chad. Right now in the NFL, not a lot of starting offensive line spots to go around. You know, these are pretty well established in mid-August. But the Broncos lost their right tackle. Their other right tackles had surgery. He saw a starting opportunity, and that's exactly why he settled for what's a prove-it contract. I love what he's saying so far, Chad, but it's easy to kind of read between the lines and see what his intention is, which is starting. Not that I blame him. Absolutely. Real quick, speaking of Drew Locke, he revealed that you know he hasn't had a much of a chance to really watch Drew Locke play. I mean, he had his own business to attend to last year, right? He was a starting right tackle in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here's what he told Cliss, though, about what he had heard about Drew Locke. Quote, I heard he's really fired up and has got a lot of energy. I've heard nothing but good stuff about him. I haven't gotten a chance to see him play yet, but everybody pretty much loves him. Close quote. So, Zach, he's touching on his passion, so he's fired up, lots of energy. We saw how he energized the Broncos from week 13 on last year. But interesting that he points to the fact that no one has a bad word to say about Drew Locke that he's come into contact with, that everyone pretty much loves him. It's contagious. You know, we hear that all the time, that personnel and and attitude and it factor is contagious. And Drew Locke is proving that not only for his own players. We saw how he galvanized the Broncos on the field. We saw how he led them off the field with the protests this offseason. But when a brand new player who's coming from the NFC, who knows nothing about Denver, nothing about the Broncos, for him to come in and say pretty much everyone loves him, he feels that reputation. When is the last time we could say that about a Broncos quarterback? When is the last time a player signed with Denver because of the pull of the quarterback. That would be Peyton Manning. And that would be, what, 2014, maybe 2015? So a half decade since the Broncos had that star power. And yeah, we've been talking about it for six months now. It's all on paper. It's all fluff for now. What He has to go out and prove it. But I love every single thing that's coming out about Locke and his influence and the orbit around Denver. He's really taken hold of this franchise, Chad. And now the Broncos are landing players because of him. It's exciting. Indeed. One, one last thing I want to touch on here from Cliss's article, and it's actually a really good piece. I recommend fans go give it a read over at Nine News. We have some, some blurbs on it, our own analysis and spin on some of what Dotson told Cliss up at milehighhuddle.com. You can go read that as well. But the one last thing I want to get your take on here, Zach, is Cliss kind of divulged at least some of the contract details. What we had heard with regard to Dotson's deal with the Broncos, of course, was that it was a one-year deal worth up to $3 million. And we always know that when you hear that verbiage, worth up to, you got escalators, incentives, playtime. He's got to hit a lot of different escalators in order to make all that $3 million. But here's what Cliss reported in this article. Quote, Dotson got a one-year deal that has $400,000 guaranteed and another $100,000 bonus if he makes the Broncos' 53-man roster for week one. He can make up to $3 million if he hits incentive thresholds. For now, the Broncos' plan is for Dotson to back up Elijah Wilkinson at right tackle and have Garrett Bowles start a fourth season at left tackle, close quote. Before I serve this over to you, Zach, I want to draw to your attention this fact. Last year, of course, Eli Wilkinson started 12 games at right tackle for the Broncos while James was injured. 
Meanwhile, Dotson started 15. Now, Wilkinson gave up 10 sacks, 32 pressures, was penalized six times last year in 12 starts. Dotson gave up two more pressures, according to Pro Football Focus, than Wilkinson did, but only five sacks, and he played or and he started, of course, three more games than Wilkinson did. So to me, if I'm the Broncos, obviously there's a reason why Wilkinson wasn't my penciled-in starter at right tackle to open up the summer, and it took Juwan James opting out to, to vault him forward. I want to see Dotson, if I'm the coaches, I'm getting him in there, rotating him in there with the first team yeah. between he and, and Elijah Wilkinson, splitting snaps, splitting reps, I should say, ASAP, and then just let the best man win. Let the chips fall. I, I think I saw it in that article, Chad. You said for now, and you emphasize the for now, and that's exactly what is the are the key words from Cliss's little blurb. And what Cliss is saying holds water, but there is no freaking way Demar Dotson is not the week one starting right tackle. It would have to be he doesn't know the playbook or he gets injured. But if he can't beat out an unnatural tackle who's coming off surgery, something is wrong there. They did not sign him to be a backup. I think they're saying that to hedge their bets in case Wilkinson does beat him out. But this is a veteran guy who I'm not even talking about the penalties right now because when you block for Jameis Winston, it, we talked about this last couple pods, it's a whole different ball game than blocking for Drew Locke or for even for Brandon Allen. They don't make mistakes like Jameis Winston does. Tamar Dotson, 100-something starts, Chad. He, nine years of experience. He will be your week one tackle. And again, the money they gave him, it, it's literally peanuts for a week one starting right tackle in mid-August. One of my favorite sneaky Broncos pickups last couple years. Well said, my friend. Gang, today is our favorite episode of each and every week. I mean, the, the superstar segments are growing on us, and they're they're right up there with the Mile High Mailbag, but this remains our favorite episode of each and every week because we are your football priests each and every week. We're here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. So whatever's on your mind, get it in the chat stream. I already see we've got some super chats stacking up. And in fact, real quick, let's grab Paul Jackson because I don't want the, the stream to jump. Appreciate that that donation, Paul. He Thank said, you, Paul. got my MHH hat. Thanks, guys. And it looks like from the profile pic, he grabbed the dad hat. Looks good on you, I must say, Paul. Appreciate you. Not counting Peyton, who is the next former or current Bronco to get into the hall. At water. Hashtag state of being. Never <laughs> Broncos for life. I mean, honestly, probably Von Miller. Yeah. Who do you think? I mean, literally, I was joking and saying Steve Atwater, but yeah, I mean, in, in terms of first ballot, immediate, I think it has to be Vaughn. No one on the current roster right now is worthy, I think, of Hall of Fame just yet, and they don't have many legends that are getting consideration like the Gratishars or like the Carl Mecklenburgs. The next guy to go on the Hall, who's still playing, is definitely Vaughn. I mean, you could make an argument for Demarius Thomas at some point, but he's probably more of a guy that lands, you know, his his ceiling with regard to you know, career accolades, it's probably going to be ring of fame as opposed to hall of fame. I just, I don't, I don't think he'll end up getting over the 10 K barrier and that's crucial. He's got a world championship. He's got, you know, multiple pro bowls, but can you tell the story of the era that Thomas was in the league? Can you tell the story of the NFL without Thomas? What's your answer to that? I think he's the hall of very good. And yeah. what would Demarius Thomas be without Peyton Manning? I mean, not to take anything away from DT, he was a good player even with Tim Tebow, obviously. But Peyton just took his game to a next level, and he did that with so many other receivers, even Julius Thomas. When Peyton was gone, Julius Thomas was a jag. So it was the Peyton factor bumping everyone up. I like DT for what he contributed, Chad, when he held on to the football and then when he was on the field, um, but not the Hall of Fame. 
He was literally a Jack, Julius Thomas, when Peyton Manning. (laughs) Um, All right, gang, we're going to dive into the chat stream, find out what is on your minds, get it in there. We'll be with you shortly. First, just a couple of quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with this show in real time. And then while you're at it, make sure you're also following the mother account, as I like to call it, at Mile High Huddle. If you get those two boxes, if you will, checked on Twitter, you're following them both. You're not going to miss anything as it relates to the podcast, and you're certainly not going to miss any breaking Broncos news or analysis, and that is crucial. Also, gang, as we talked about at the top of the show, if you want to get yourself one of those awesome Let Them Hate t-shirts, one of these hats, we got hoodies, we got face masks, we got mugs, we got a little something for everybody, head on over to huddleuppod.com, just like Paul, Paul rocking the dad hat. The MHH dad hat, he got it at huddleuppod.com. Go get your swag on. It's another great way to support what we do here at MHH. And then also we want to draw your attention to, especially we want to speak to our Facebook audience. So many of you reach out to us. You want to learn, you want to know how you can support MHH like you see our Super Chat superstars doing on YouTube. There is a way, and that's by becoming officially a supporter. And I'm going to go ahead and put the link here to become a supporter on Facebook in the chat stream. If you're in a position, check that out. It all helps. It all allows Zach and I and John and all the other podcasts and all the other writers to continue to bring you this content, not just the live streams, but all the written content, the videos that we do. It gives us the opportunity to do that. And real quick, I've been saying I was going to do this. I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on this. It's not the greatest infographic, so bear with me, but a shout out to the supporters on Facebook who've signed up this week, Gerald Hendy, Roger Gutke. Uh, we got Pobby's on there. She supports on Super Chat. She supports on Facebook. Jerry Holland's another guy. Supports on Facebook, supports on YouTube. Chris Hernandez as well, right up there. One of our MHH Mount Rushmore guys. Steve Griffith, Emmy Lee, and I think I might actually be – I got I to gotta get rid of the ticker for a second. And Michael Lewis. Okay, there we go. So shout out to, to you guys. We really appreciate your support. It means a lot to us. And if you guys are on Facebook – You want to jump in, we got the link in the chat stream. Last thing, gang, if you're not in a position to support what we're doing with the, you know, financially, it's all good. Um, Each and every one of you can do these three things. Subscribe, like, share. Those three things, you have no idea organically how much it helps. Zach and I and all the podcasts continue to do what we love to do and bring you this content. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash Farm Energy Assessment. All right, Zach, let's see what is on the minds of the community here tonight. As I scroll down, lots of conversation. Man, it's the the conversation in the community on YouTube, especially, is just prolific. It's I love seeing it, and I'm jealous sometimes that I can't just hang out in the chat and just go back and forth. You guys, I actually got to provide you content. Mark Langley jumping in on super chat, bona fide superstar. 
Appreciate you, Mark. Thank it's you, good Mark. to see you as always, my friend. He says, what's up, my guys? Just wanted to say hi and to my fellow Broncos country community. Hashtag Sir Mundungi was awesome. The whiz. Hashtag football priest. Hashtag MHH. Hashtag huddle up pod. He was, man. Mundungus came on and he even had a little, uh, he had a little flair. He had, uh, you know, he had the wand and I mean, it was, it was good. We look forward to getting back on the show in the near future. Really down to earth guy. And obviously big time Broncos fan, big time supporter of MHH. Wizards and priest chat. I mean, out of context, no one would know this is a football podcast. It's it's so amazing. The little (laughs) inside, a little inside jokes we have with our, uh, our listeners. Tomorrow is the beginning of the real beginning of training camp Friday, the 14th. And what I mean by that is even though they've all the, the rookies, the quarterbacks, the veterans, they've all been at Dove Valley. They've been separated by different protocols. And mostly it's when the rookies, the quarterbacks, the punters and the injured people, you know, specialists, when they're on the field, the other guys have to be in the building. Or that's how it's been up to this point and so on and, and reverse order. When Von Miller and Jarrell Casey, when they're out on the grass, Drew Locke and those guys are in the building. Well, they're all coming together tomorrow. They're going to have helmets on. They're going to have shells on. And it's, it, it really begins in earnest tomorrow. However, having said that, Zach, there is some buzz that has emanated from Dove Valley since training camp, since they at least showed up at the building. Can you call it training camp? I still call it training camp. But one of those is something that we picked up uh, today. Luke Patterson had it for us at Mile High Huddle. If you guys are following him on Twitter, uh, you'll you'll already know this. If not, make sure you do at Luke Patterson LP. But he uh, he said that Albert Okwe Boonham, man, Okwe Boonham, Okwe Boonham, Okwe Boonham. That's what it is. Okwe Boonham. One of these. Albert days. O. Let's let's say has been flashing in training camp up to this point. Zach, how much do you read into that? Is there been enough real football activity to even read into that at all? No. You know what, as, as much as I like to be optimistic at this time of the year, Chad, it, it's literally you going out to the backyard of the park and throwing a football around. It, it's literally that elementary, and it's going to ramp up like you mentioned, but to this point, I'm not forming opinions or or anything definitive on anyone right now. Jake Butt was catching passes. He was looking pretty good in, in shorts and a t-shirt. It doesn't mean he's healthy. It doesn't mean he's pushing for a role on the team. So when these padded practices start and NFL training camp, Broncos camp feels like Broncos camp, then I will start uh, looking at the players and judging them. But to this point, it doesn't hold much to me. It's good to see him out there on the grass running around, but that's about you know, they're, they're mostly thrown to air. They're mostly, I mean, I have seen some clips of a few individual drills, like the, on the rookie side, I've seen a few clips of, of like Michael Ojemudia guard the corner, the rookie corner guarding, a you know, in coverage, going up against a wide receiver and then trying to, you know, bat the ball down or whatever. But it really goes into into full action tomorrow. And from there, Zach, we're going to have at least a little bit better view of what's happening at at, uh, training camp because the Broncos announced today on Thursday that they're debuting a new show called Training Camp Live. Sounds exciting, right? But it's going to be hosted by Steve Atwater. Let me just read you this one this uh, one quick paragraph from the press release they sent out to us. <clears throat> it says that uh, Steve Atwater will host. He'll have special guests on that will give fans an inside look at Broncos training camp. The show will be streamed on DenverBroncos.com, on the Broncos app, Facebook, and YouTube channels. 
will include opportunities for fans to vote on show elements, win special prizes. The program will debut with two early access editions on Friday and Sunday as the team holds a pair of practices to begin camp. Fans will get their first glimpse of the Broncos in pads on Monday as training camp live presented by, they have a sponsor here, swings into full gear. So, Zach, we heard from, I think it was the Browns, but I could be misremembering who the team was that was just going to live stream the entirety of training camp for the fans since fans aren't allowed to be in attendance this year, and we all know why. I guess for the Broncos, we were hoping that they would do something similar. This is their version, a one-hour live stream. I'm sure they'll show – hopefully they'll have a window going and where you can just watch what's happening on, on screen. Fans can see that while the talking heads do their thing. You know what? After what we've been through this offseason, literally having no sports, no practice, no no preseason, I'll take anything we can get right now. Literally anything, any update, any video, any report from camp, I will be uh, happy with. So as long as football is back and being played and being reported on and we get to cover it, I'm a happy camper. And for what it's worth, gang, if you head on over to milehighhuddle.com in the community section, there is a post that details what this new show is going to be based on what we learned from the press release. Go check that out when you get some time. Uh, Jordan Bricky jumping in with a super chat. Really appreciate that. My friend, the support, and a name we don't recognize, as we can learn here in what he says, first time catching live. Great job, a newer listener. Awesome, Jordan. That's a very unique way to spell the name Jordan, by the way. Zach, I've never quite seen it spelled out in that way. Very unique. I thought it was Jordan with a silent E. Maybe it is. I think it's Jordan, though. I'll be honest with you. It's like half of George and Dan. So Jordan. Would be my guess. For those listening, it's G-E-O-R-D-A-N. Anyway, Jordan, appreciate you, my friend. Make sure if you're on Twitter, you reach out, connect with us, let us know who you are so that we can shout you out after the show. Drop us a question, too, if you have one. Anything you got, put it there, my friend. All right, let me see here. All right, bear with me one second. Lots of – oh, by the way, we got Eclipse, Stormborn in the house. We got Terry Randall. We got Duke. Chris Hernandez is with us. Awesome. James Campbell's back in the house. <clears throat> James, we needed you last night, dude. I can't even remember what it was now that we were we were all stumped on. What was Zach it? Zach Leader last year, last uh, season. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Uh, anyway, we needed your statistical prowess. And uh, anyway, we're just glad to have you back in the house with us, my friend. Uh, Edward Keating jumping in, showing some love. Bonafide superstar. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate you, Ed. He says, I agree with Zach. Dotson will be the week one starter. Hashtag state of being Denver Broncos for life. You know what's weird about that? You say follow the money. Technically, Elijah Wilkinson is guaranteed more dollars this year than Dotson is as a restricted free agent. Just goes to show you the steal they got in Dotson. And is there anyone who doesn't agree? Is there anyone who thinks Wilkinson is going to be the week one right tackle? Let me know in the comments, guys, if there's any Wilkinson fan out there who thinks he's going to start over Dotson. We got the queen of MHH in the house as well. And uh, she says, just got done with the kids' math. The struggle is is uh, <laughs> real. A lot of, in different parts of the country, kids went back to school uh, starting today in some parts of the country. So, Anyway, if you are parents out there, we feel your pain. I feel your pain. I know what it's, I know what it's like, but uh, good to have you in the house with us here, Christy. All right, let's see what else we got here. Joe wants to know on Facebook, what about Rod Smith for the Hall of Fame? Now, Zach, as I've talked about on this podcast many times before, 
It is my humble opinion that they're, with, you know, the, the Gratishars and the Mecklenburgs, we've mentioned them, even Louis Wright, the original shutdown corner, the guy that the term shutdown corner was coined for. They all have, in my estimation, a bulletproof claim for the Hall of Fame. But Rod Smith is another guy who there is no argument that anyone has ever made that I've heard that it, that actually makes sense, that I go, oh, yeah, you're right. He probably doesn't deserve to be in the Hall. He does. He's a former undrafted guy who got over 10,000 yards receiving and won two Super Bowls, went to multiple Pro Bowls, uh, had some All-Pro selections, too, on his resume. Rod Smith is a testament of achievement, of what a guy – I mean, talk about small school, switching – uh, positions going from a college quarterback to playing wide receiver, having to catch on by playing special teams and just being the grunt to within two or three years working his way up to being a Hall of Fame quarterback's number one wide receiver and then going on to winning multiple Super Bowls and all the accolades. Rod Smith, in my humble opinion, absolutely deserves and should be in the Hall of Fame. It's another travesty and miscarriage of justice. But Zach, I'm also smart enough to know that the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And Rod Smith's name never gets mentioned by the voters and never gets put into the circulation for consideration. He's probably never going to be in the Hall of Fame, but he deserves it, in my opinion. And you know what? I would put him in in a second over Demarius Thomas. He, he is oh, yeah. for sure a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver. And the point that you mentioned, Chad, being John Elway's sidekick, just having that clout alone, you can argue, and actually it's true, that Demarius Thomas wasn't Peyton Manning's best receiver he had in his career. You can make the argument that Rod Smith was John Elway's best receiver. So he he definitely should be in the Hall. And like you said, I don't know if he's going to get in because of the Broncos bias. If it took Pat Bowlen this long, Charles Davis this long, what's to say for Rod Smith? But he absolutely should be. That's another Broncos snub. Right off there with Mecklenburg and Gratishar. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Between you and me, I always knew that I needed life insurance, but I just kept putting it off. Then I found the Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Plan, and it took all the worry out. Now I know that I won't be a burden to my family because it can help cover my final expenses such as medical bills, burial costs, and unpaid debts. And it can help you too. If you're between 50 and 80 years old or 50 to 75 in New York, your coverage is guaranteed with this policy regardless of your health history. There are no medical exams to complete or lengthy health questionnaires to fill out. Simply text INSURE to 30555. And premiums don't increase over time. The amount you pay when coverage begins is the same amount you'll pay throughout the duration of your policy. Just answer four easy questions to get your free personalized quote instantly by texting INSURE to 30555. See website for terms and restrictions. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. One of our Facebook supporters, Roger, hopefully I pronounced your last name correct, my friend Gutke, has an interesting question, Zach. He says, if you could bring back a former Denver Bronco, but it, a, a former Bronco who's still playing, if you can mm. bring him back, 
who would it be and why? Um, Shaq Barrett off the top of my head. Boom. I, I can't why? think of, I mean, he had what, 19 sacks last year? I mean, he never was, he was never unleashed the right way in Denver, Chad. And we saw what he can do last year in a starting role. It's one guy off the top of my head. That's a good pick, although I'll tell you, I think it took the right circumstances and a change of scenery for the switch to fully get flipped yeah. on Shaq Barrett because he received a fair opportunity to start. Like he, he started a fair number of games. Even though he was never the incumbent, he was never really considered the guy by the team anyway that was expected to carry the load. In terms of, you know, if Bradley Chubb's healthy, for example, the Broncos absolutely are going to give him every opportunity to be the starter. Von Miller, same. DeMarcus Ware, the same when he was here. Barrett never received that level benefit of the doubt, but he received plenty of opportunities to actually start to where if it was going to happen for him in Denver, it would have happened. For whatever reason, it took a change of scenery. And sometimes, Zach, you see that happen with players in the NFL. Yes. They have a modest level of success and whatever, but they change scenery and all of a sudden, boom, stratosphere. A couple quarterbacks as well, Chad. Uh, Kyle Sloter and uh, Chad Kelly. Wouldn't mind them coming back in the fold. Yeah, Chad Why Kelly. Though. Vacuum cleaners. Let's keep them away from Chad Kelly. You just got. <laughs> you just got to hope uh, <clears throat> Chad Kelly doesn't maybe have a warrant out for. Hopefully, he paid those tickets. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's paid his debt to society yet for that. Oh but man. Either way, yeah. What a weird situation. Thanks for the question, Roger. By the really way, really interesting question. Yeah. Uh, Eclipse Stormborn says, I would vote for my good acquaintance, Ashley Lalee, for the Hall of Fame. Maybe that's based on your acquaintance with him. Lalee was, uh, he had a, he had one or two really good years as a Bronco. I want to say, but he only had 1,000-yard receiving season. I might be wrong on that. He and uh, Rod Smith, actually, the year he went over 1,000, Ashley Lalee in Denver. Um, Rod Smith went over a thousand as well. That was a Jake Plummer season. Let me check this out real quick. Now I'm now I'm curious. I thought he was going to be so good in the NFL when he was drafted, Lily. So yes, Lily had one thousand yard season and it was by the skin of his teeth. A thousand eighty four yards on fifty four receptions. But his average those he actually had two thousand three, that was Jake Plummer's uh first year in Denver. He averaged 17 yards per reception, which is serious. His third year, though, this and it was the same year he got his 1,000 yards, Lalee had 20 yards, 20.1 yards per reception. That's huge, dude. He was just a bomb. I mean, all that yardage he put up, the 1,084 yards, much of it was just huge, big splash plays between Plummer and, and him. And then the next year, 2005, this was the year in which the Broncos got all the way to the AFC title game only to lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers, he averaged over 18 yards per reception. So he was, I don't know, look, I liked Ashley Lilly, don't get me wrong, but I don't even think you could say he was in the hall of the of the very good, like you could say about Demaryius Thomas. He just didn't sustain the production. Now, he was a Hall of Fame dude in terms of he was a great guy, and he was a great teammate, and he was loved in Denver, but the production just wasn't there, and he didn't sustain it. Right. Yeah. The hall of, uh, you know, of hype, hall of fame hype. That's what Lily could fall into. But hall of fame, very, very short of that. And like I said, when he was drafted, he had all this expectation and upside. I thought he was going to be a pro bowler right off the bat. It just never materialized for him. We got Jess, um, CO13 Sports jumping in 
on Super Chat. Really appreciate Thank that, you. Jess. Best offensive weapon this year, Judy, Sutton, or Lindsey? Who? Who do you think is going to be the most potent weapon when it's all said and done? I would throw in Gordon as a possibility. I would throw in Hamler and, and Fant as a possibility. When it's all said and done, who ends up being that bona fide stud for the Broncos? I mean, they're three different players, so it's hard to choose, you know, one uniform guy. I'm going to keep rocking with Cortland Sutton, though. I, again, he's already established. Uh, Jerry Judy has to prove himself. Cortland Sutton will be a 1,200, 1,300-yard receiver this season. 10, 10, 12 touchdowns, Pro Bowl. Uh, he's going to have the biggest impact because he can work not only in the red zone, but on any point of the field, 80-20 balls. He has the chemistry down with Drew Locke already. I think he's going to be the best weapon and the most impactful weapon for Drew Locke this season. John, do you have Derek's super chat? Because mine did a jump. Thank you. Derek Green jumping wow. in, showing some serious generosity. Appreciate you, Derek. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He says, hey, guys, as always, great to be a part of the pod. We've gotten the shirt you sent. Uh, sent. We got, we've, we've gotten the shirt you sent. Soon as I'm off, we will send the picture. Okay, good. Um, my question is, on both sides of the ball, what would stop us from being top five in both on both sides of the ball? What would stop the Broncos from being top five? Zach, I'll take offense. You take defense. If anything were to stop the Broncos from being top five unit this year, what would it be? Themselves. I mean, that's the only, that's the Broncos worst enemy is themselves. I mean, they have the talent and the coaching to answer the question. Literally it'd be an injury, but if they all stay healthy, I mean, look at the talent chat on every single level, defensive line, linebackers, secondary. I'm not worried about the cornerbacks too much. The safeties, it would take an injury or just a catastrophic step back in a Fangio scheme in year two for that to happen. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't either on the offensive side. Um, well, I got to say something to John real quick. Terry's a well. Terry's the next one that I have available to me. Available to me, just so you know, John. All right. Um, for me though, what could hold the Broncos' offense back? Top five, I think, is you know that's still putting them maybe a little bit too far up there. They got to. I mean, they're top five in potential. Don't get me wrong, but they got to go out there and prove it. So I'm going to say, what would hold the Broncos back from achieving their potential? Whether that is top five, whether that's top ten, whatever. I would say. Drew Locke would have to come out and just not be the guy that he appears to be or that right. he appeared to be last year. Like not so much a step back, but just kind of a failure to launch in year two. And, you know, right now expectations are sky high because of the way second year quarterbacks have just dominated the league in recent years, all the way from Carson Wentz to Patrick Mahomes to Lamar Jackson. But there have been instances of quarterbacks who play well as rookies they come back around the second year. They don't do as hot. They're still rolling with the punches, going through the trial and error learning curve. And then they come back in year three, and that's where it really kicks into gear for them. I don't think that'll be the case for Drew Locke because the Broncos have really greased the wheels in this case, not only on the coaching side, getting Pat Shermer and Mike Shula, but really stocking the, the shelves and, and building that nest. So for me, it would really be, Zach, Drew Locke would have to super struggle in 2020 for this offense to not live up to its potential. 
Let me just add, though, that even if he doesn't struggle, I don't want Broncos fans to expect top five. That would take a lot. I think if he develops on schedule lock and the rest of the Broncos offense, they can be a top 12 unit, top 10 unit maybe, but top five in his first starting season, no offseason, no preseason, limited training camp. Uh, you have all these new receivers and moving parts and running backs. It's going to take some time for Locke to get to where he needs to be. So he, I, I wouldn't go out and expecting the Broncos offense to match the Broncos defense. If they can have a top five defense and a top 12 offense, that's a playoff team. That would be well, oh, well yeah. good enough. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Absolutely. We got Josh Ostrom jumping in. Really appreciate that, Super, my friend. Thank you, Josh. He says, Noah Fant will break out. I agree with you that he's a he's a great candidate for that, and I think he's going to have a big second season. I think he's this year's Cortland Sutton, for what it's worth. And as I talked about on last night's show, I did a Sports Illustrated hit with the New York studio this earlier this week, and they wanted to talk Noah Fant, and that was the main topic. You know, he's kind of a sleeper option for fantasy owners who are trying to find, you know – tight end one level production, maybe a little bit later in the fantasy drafts and fans a good option for that because Zach, he's going to see a lot of snaps. So as long as he stays healthy and that's not really a concern with fan, he's never struggled with the injury bug really in his collegiate and pro career. As long as he stays healthy, those reps, those looks, those targets are going to come and thus the production. So I don't, I don't have any doubt that fans going to have a very, very productive second year. 
Yeah, I, I don't see George Kittle this year or Travis Kelsey this year, but with Pat Shermer, even with him not utilizing a tight end, just Fant's draft status alone, the Broncos are going to try to uh, get return on that investment. They didn't get much last year. Tight ends take a long time to develop. You know, it's just a tough position to translate from college to the pros. Fant has all we saw it in glimpses last year against the Browns, second half of the season. He gives Locke that Gronkian, and don't I'm exaggerating, yes, Gronkian. but he has that he has that Gronkian kind of mentality to him. He just, he in the red zone, especially the way he catches uh, between defenders and uses his body to shield people. He has that upside if he gets there. I don't know about a thousand yard year, but definitely more so on a, on a, a whole national scale. Noah Fant will be a more impactful player this season. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to finish somewhere close to 800 yards receiving. That's my bet this year. I can That's see my it. Bet. All right. Uh, we also got Dylan Dub jumping in. Really appreciate you, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. He says, I always listen on Spotify. Thanks for giving me my football fix at work. This D-line is, gonna, is going to be great. Mark my words. Hashtag state of being in Iowa. I wonder if Dylan was affected by that weird power outage that uh, Nick Kendall was affected by, some massive storm that knocked out power. I don't even – shoot, I haven't talked to Nick for a couple of days, but when I talked to him on Tuesday, of course, he couldn't go on building the Broncos on Tuesday because of this storm knocked out all power. He said it could last a week. So, Dylan, I wonder if you're in that same neck of the woods there in, in Iowa. But I think it's really cool, Zach, as we talk about on the show. We love hearing how how people listen, how they work us into their their routines. And so, Dylan, yeah. welcome, and we appreciate you sharing that with us. And as far as the D-line, it does. I mean, this that has the – I think, honestly, on unless Chubb doesn't – I mean, <laughs> what's the strength of the defense? I would say the edge and the defensive line. If yeah, if I had to pick between the two, I would say probably the defensive line, the depth, just because the depth is is better. But man, up front, the Broncos should be able to really control the line of scrimmage. Yeah, you know, and it, real quick in terms of losing power, there's nothing worse than that because I hate losing air conditioning. I can deal with no <laughs> yeah. TV, no internet, but when I lose air conditioning, I'm a different person. In, in terms of the defense, I agree with this comment. We talked about it yesterday being a towering strength of Denver. We got a comment about that, and it's absolutely true. If not for quarterback and the offense and Judy and those weapons, I'm most excited to see the defensive line. Jerrell Casey, uh, uh, Shelby Harris coming back this year. You you, you have so, Draymond Jones in a bigger role. Christian Covington, who they picked up. If Demarcus Walker hangs around, they are so deep. Ajim is going to contribute. They are so deep. And Purcell has a nose tackle. I am so excited to see what they do, not only for the havoc they create and the penetration, but how they free up the edge rushers, Chad, and how it affects Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Symbiotic, the relationship, it goes hand in hand. They need each other. Yep. Uh, Terry Randall, north of the 49th parallel, proving, as always, the Broncos country is not a geographic location, y'all. It's a state of being. You know this. Terry, appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Terry. It's good to have you in the stream, as always, my brother. Thanks for everything you contribute to this community. Really appreciate you, my, my man. Um, all right, let's see what else we've got here. See if any of our... Yeah, Bobby, man, he's digging the hat tonight, Zach. He's digging your your swag. Appreciate it. I like uh, it too. Let's grab this extremely generous super chat wow. from Mark Lane, right. who just from the top rope, as he is wont wow. to do, he does this time to time, <clears throat> just shows extreme generosity. And, uh, you know, we love you, Mark, and we wow. appreciate you, my friend. And hopefully you're, you can still hang in the stream. I know that you'll listen after the fact. Sometimes you'll be in early in the stream and then you got to go out or whatever. 
But hopefully you hear this. Uh, if you're not with us live, you hear this down the road and you know how much we appreciate it, my man. He just says, you all, you all have a good night and uh, just dropping, dropping some, some knowledge on us there, Zach, and some love. Mark, this one's for you. Toilet bowls. Appreciate you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Hashtag toilet bowls. Miss appreciate you, Mark. You. All right. Also, BG, as we like to call him, Brian Greenfield, jumping in, showing some love on Super Chat. Thank you, bro. You are the man. All right, guys, we're reaching that point where <clears throat> we've all been talking about these what-if topics for three, four months. What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there with the Broncos? Tomorrow, though, things really start getting off. I mean, it really is going to be picking up. So we're, I think by the time we circle back with you guys, Zach and I, Sunday night for Sunday night's podcast, we're going to have quite a bit more to start sinking our teeth into by way of buzz for what it's worth as well. Um, BG, you to man. Steve Griffith, now this is a guy, much love to you, Steve. He's one of these guys I've talked about before that he he's a supporter on Facebook, and then he jumps on over to YouTube so that he can live, uh, super chat us live. I also saw, I think it was you, Steve, I'm pretty sure, on Facebook. Facebook's version for live streamers like us of super chat is something called Stars. So if you're watching this live right now on Facebook, you can send money to the to the channel. You can send money to MHH by giving stars. And I saw that Steve has done that before. What I'm getting at here, Steve, is your support means a lot to us, my friend, and you're doing it across multiple channels. And it's just awesome. He says, what's up, Chad and Zach? Got to spread the love. Amped up for the official start of training camp, hashtag Denver Broncos for life and state of being. Got to love that passion, Zach. You and me both, Steve. I'm so happy after the last, you know, four months, what we've been through and having nothing and just getting football back and having normalcy is the most important thing. And I, you know, we love football here, Chad, completely. Jordan says we were correct about the pronunciation. Very nice. Appreciate that uh, clarification, my dog. Our friend Adan, he goes by a six foot 10 Mexican on YouTube, jumping in on Super Chat. Appreciate Thank you, my friend. If you could choose Elway's successor, who would you choose? Hashtag state of being. Hashtag Broncos talk. That's right, gang. He's got his podcast. Don't forget to check it out when you get some time. If you could choose Elway's successor, Zach, who would you choose? Matt Russell. I mean, who else could it really be? Peyton, and, and, fans are going to want you to say Peyton Manning. Well, yeah, but realistically, it's, it's Matt Russell. I, a few years ago, I would have said Adam Peters, the director of personnel. He went to the Niners, but Matt Russell is being groomed for the job. And you know what? The Broncos drafting has been on point the last three years. So if it does transition that way, I think they're in pretty decent hands. Jeremy, what's up, my friend? Good to see you on Facebook. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I know fans want Peyton Manning to, you know, it sounds it sounds good. And everything Peyton's touched traditionally turns to gold and all that. But the one thing that you got to give John Elway is that he paid some dues as a football guy, as a personnel guy, as a shot caller on the football side uh, in the arena league, which, you know, it's it's small potatoes compared to the NFL in terms of the stakes, in terms of the level of athletes. All the best football athletes are playing in the NFL. So it's kind of a second, if not third level of talent that he was dealing with with the Colorado Crush. But he had that experience, plus his 16 years in the league, helped inform him so that when he did – arrive as the, at the time, VP of football uh, operations. He didn't become the GM till after the 2012 free agent period. They fired Brian Zanders. Then he took that mantle of GM, took some time to learn on the job a little bit, just kind of the routine and the, 
and how it goes. And so Peyton Manning, my bet, Zach, is that he would be, if he ever chose to get into that side of things, to the personnel side and football management, my bet is that he would, he'd have a little learning curve, but he would ultimately find some, some modicum of success, but that doesn't necessarily mean he would be the best man to succeed John Elway. Although I could totally see it happening, to be honest with you. And I could see Elway orchestrating that himself. Like if he said, look, I'm getting up there. I don't want the grind. I want to still be the football president or I want to be the top executive but I want to be a little bit more hands-off with regard to management of the roster and free agents. Peyton swoop in, you're the GM, you learn on the job. And then when I officially walk away from the team, you take my job. Then what happens though, when Peyton, the GM outshines John Elway, the president, I, I think Elway's ego is too big for him to have anyone in the building who can overshadow him. And the reason why my brain didn't even think of Peyton is I don't believe he's going to get into the GM ranks in the NFL. If he's going to come back to the sport, it's going to be as an owner or a part owner or something really high level. I, I don't see Peyton doing the day-to-day grind of being a general manager. He would kill it. He is one of the most, if not the most, football savvy uh, uh, people on the planet, for player, whatever. I, he would be a great general manager. I just don't see him doing that. I think if he wanted to, he would have dipped his toe in by now, Chad. Look, based on what we've heard of Peyton Manning's interest post-football, the one that seems to have the most – substance to it is the ownership side he's had opportunities to come in on front offices across the league he's had opportunities to call games and be a you know monday night football guy making tens of millions of dollars for the networks but he flirts with the idea but doesn't quite jump in with both feet because as zach said I, i think you're right on that he's either just looking for the perfect opportunity on the personnel side or he wants to be an owner but it takes some serious scratch to even gin up the type of ownership, even for to, to put together a group that can buy an NFL team, let alone one individual guy. Now, Peyton Manning, shoot, he made so much money in the NFL. How many hundred million dollar contracts did that dude play out? At right. least three, plus all of his endorsements. So, you know, he's got some scratch and I'm sure he's pretty relatively savvy investor. He's probably a guy that's pretty dang good with money, just based on what we know uh, about Peyton. But still, man. I think that there's a reason why he hasn't dived in yet to the personnel side. Well, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, just, didn't he just buy the Royals or isn't he some part, you know, in a yeah, group? He's part owner. He's ownership group. Derek Jeter did it with the Marlins. I mean, it can be done. And, and Peyton Manning is on the same level as a Derek Jeter. With money-wise, uh, you know, career-wise, star-wise, I think if he wants to, he could do it. But GM, offensive coordinator, head coach, I, I just don't see Peyton uh, going back to that grind, Chad. We got Jordan jumping back in. <clears throat> Appreciate that, my friend. He says, thanks, guys. It's like Jordan. Gotcha. Brother is also a Geo name. He, as he mentioned, it's Jeff. Who's your pick for a surprise trade away from the team during the mm. season? And who for the most disappointing? Who's going to – let's reverse engineer that. Who's going to be the most disappointing Bronco, I guess, this year? I think that's what he's asking. You guys know where I'm going with that. I I hate to I'm say it. The I, toilet? No, I just don't think Melvin Gordon is going to be okay. the $60 million running back. I don't think he's going to live up to the money or the billing or what he's hyping himself to be. That's my answer for that. Or Bulls, either or. When's the last time, and I'm being sincere here, if I'm missing something, I'm really asking you guys, when's the last time a running back played out his rookie deal, went and took a top-of-the-market kind of 
offer somewhere and then went and crushed it with that team. Usually the, the running backs who have success with the second or third team are guys that had modest success with the first team and then they have to kind of bounce around a little, then the right opportunity comes and boom, they're, you're, you're thinking, how did that other team ever let that guy go? I'm trying to think off the top of my head, maybe we need a guy like James Campbell or maybe Buona Beast knows an answer to that, but I'm inclined to agree with you that I mean, I think the Broncos are – if you hang your hat completely on Melvin Gordon being the truth and the guy carrying the torch for this offense, I think you're destined to be disappointed. I don't think he's going to justify that contract. I really don't. That's just right. too much for – especially when you got Philip Lindsay, dude, who's just a force to be reckoned with. We'll see. Uh, who's a pick to be uh, traded away, a surprise trade away? You just said him. I don't want it to happen, but th- they're not paying him. They signed a running back over him. I literally could see Elway shipping Philip Lindsay away. I would hate it, but I could yeah. see it happening. <clears throat> Man, that would be a true – that would be, I think, more of a dagger to the heart of Broncos country than the Clinton yes. Portis because at least with Clinton Portis, they knew even, – even fans who weren't super familiar with Champ Bailey, they at least knew when they read an article – Okay, Champ Bailey, you know, he's a pro bowler. He's an all-pro corner. Like, he's up there. Okay, that's all right. But still, so many fans were heartbroken over Clinton Portis getting traded out of the blue for what it's worth. I think this would be even more of a dagger to the heart if if you're, you know, this fant- fantasy idea of a surprise guy getting traded away. If that came to be true and it happened to be Philip Lindsay, it would be crushing hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Lindsay's no. going to make it really hard for the Broncos to do that. But Elway, he's not committed to him. He sh- not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Show that multiple times this offseason and... You know, maybe try to get something for him before he hits the what, unrestricted market, free agent market next offseason. You never know. 
to what it's worth. He's restricted next year, then unrestricted in 2022 uh, is Philip Lindsay. So the Broncos have control over him this year and next year, which actually coincides exactly with the timeline, of course, that they've tied themselves to Melvin Gordon. And by the way, we've got one of our MHH Mount Rushmore members jumping in, showing some love on Super Chat. Geo, a.k.a. George. I guess it's George, a.k.a. Geo. Thank you. Thank you, George. Appreciate you, my friend. Good to have you in the stream. He says, I'm at work. Thought I'd show some love, and I absolutely love the Let Him Hate shirt. Awesome, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, credit Zach. That was that was Zach's to inspiration and design there. I can't uh, take any credit for that. I just it's it speaks to me, Chad. The expression "Let him hate." The Broncos will prove him wrong. Yep, Huddle and it's up. something we've been saying all off season. Huddleuppod.com. Get yours. Check it out. All right, let me see what else we got here. Uh, bear with us here, gang, for just a second. I got to catch up in the stream. The wizard, the Wizzy and the Hizzy, Mundungus, jumping in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you, sir. He says, sorry I'm late, guys. I was trying to convince Jawan James that you don't need to wear a mask while online shopping <laughs> and that drawn-on eyebrows aren't real eyebrows. Hashtag oh. eyebrow oh. That's good. Oh, man. You're bringing the funny, dude. We need it. We God. need it. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that too, man. Wearing a mask while online shopping. <laughs> no comment on that one. No comment. All right. My, my chat just did a jump, John, so I'm going to try and scroll back up. We got Ed jumping back in, showing some serious love. Appreciate Thank you, my you. friend. How many yards and touchdowns do you think Locke will have this year? Zach, this is a question that we get from time to time. We're always happy to answer it because it's fun to kind of spitball and project a, a little bit. My answer is going to be somewhere around 3,800 yards and probably somewhere around 23 to 25 touchdowns. Now, I'm very much open to the possibility of the touchdowns and the yardage being more than that, but I think that's a solid level of expectation just looking at past quarterbacks that Shermer and Shula have worked with and considering it's his second year and a first year as a full-time starter, that's about where I'm setting my expectations. Literally perfectly agree with you right there. I don't think it's going to be 4,000, but I don't think it's going to be 3,000. So somewhere 32 to 3,500 yards, uh, somewhere 22 to 25 touchdowns. It's not going to be 30 touchdowns. A really, really solid first full-time season, though, for Locke is upcoming. I'm right there with you, Chad. Now, obviously, if Locke were to become that next great second-year quarterback to just blow the doors down, it would take a lot more than 3,800 yards and 23, 24, 25 touchdowns to kind of check that box and qualify. But look, he doesn't need to be that. He doesn't need to be this year's Lamar Jackson. He doesn't need to be 2018's second coming of Patrick Mahomes because the talent is there offensively for him to lean on his role players, lean on his skill position guys, two Pro Bowl running backs, he doesn't have to be the man. I mean, even look at Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Like, he kind of has to be the guy. Like, he has to – I mean, you could say every quarterback has to create offense, but in the case of Lamar Lamar Jackson, he really has to be the impetus. Like, he has to create. Now, they've done a good job of – you know, they they brought in some additional talent for him, but in Drew Locke's case, he is loaded for bear on this hunt. So, in that same sense, I could – you know, you can say, well, he's not going to have to do it alone and, you know – Maybe the maybe the expectations should be slightly mitigated. They're going to run the ball a lot, but at the same time, Zach, because those pieces are in place and you got Pat Shermer, you know, 
X's and O's acumen, all that. Who knows, man? Maybe he will have over 4,000 yards and he'll have 30-something touchdowns and just blow the doors down. It's deja vu because I've been saying this point the last three off-seasons at least. They don't need the Broncos an all-pro quarterback. Like your point you just made, they don't need a pro bowler. They don't need an all-star. They need someone just in the upper half of the NFL, a top 15 guy, a top 12 guy. You put a top 12 quarterback with a top 12 defense, this talent, this coaching, the Broncos have an easier schedule. You give them just solid, consistent, good quarterbacking. It's a dangerous, dangerous team. Look at what Tannehill did for Tennessee last year. That offense went through Derrick Henry. They went to within one game of the Super Bowl because the quarterback stepped up. He wasn't the best we ever saw. He wasn't Brady in his prime, but he was good enough to help that team win. And if Locke could just be good enough, if he can be good, they're going to be very, very tough to beat this year. We got David Kilgore, one of our MHH Mount Rushmore wow. members. David, thank you. One of my favorite community profile picks because he's got the football priest hat and he's got the MHH face mask. A total boss. Appreciate that generosity, man. It means a lot to us. Yeah. My friend, he says, are you guys concerned at all about our secondary? If Callahan can't go, are we in trouble? Hashtag Kansas Broncos fan. Very cool. State of being guy right there. Zach. Callahan, if he has his health problems, it really is going to come down to you got to hope Fangio's right and that one or two of those young guys that they're expecting to take a step here in 2020 take that step. And if that happens, they'll probably be okay. But I really do think that if this secondary is going to play up to its potential, they need Callahan in the nickel. And he's a very talented player. Like we clown on him because of, you know, we make fun of him because. You know, we haven't seen him actually play a game as a Bronco quite yet, and and we joke and stuff, but he played at a Pro Bowl level in that last year. You could argue his last two years in Chicago, but especially that final season, he missed the last three games because of the same foot that ended up plaguing him in 2019. But Callahan's integral to this defense being able to do the things Vic Fangio wants to do. If he can't go this year, I'm not pressing the panic button, but my hand is hovering right above it. I would be concerned for this Broncos secondary. Who, who else would take the slot role? I, Boye can't play there. I don't want to rely on Michael Lowe to play there as starting out. I mean, Duke Dawson, Isaac Yadam, they don't really – Devontae Bosby's an outside guy. They don't really have another slot cornerback. And Bryce Callahan is basically Chris Harris Jr. They lost Chris Harris Jr. Now, if they lose Bryce Callahan, they're, they're double in a whammy now. So it would be concerning for me. And this is why Chad and I have been saying they should have signed another cornerback. I mean, Logan Ryan's still out there. He can play all over the secondary. Not saying the Broncos should sign him, but this is why we would have liked a little more reinforcement in that secondary. Just in case, you know, Bosby doesn't come back healthy. Callahan gets hurt again. You know, Michael Lowe starts to slot the gates. They need another guy in that secondary. Callahan should be healthy. He gets hurt again, though. It could be some problems back there. All right, we got Mike Evans, bona fide superstar, consistent as the day is long, does not miss a podcast, does not miss a live stream. Appreciate you, Mike, and we look forward to talking to you on Sunday night. As we mentioned on last night's show, next week is going to be the first time and probably the only time that we're going to have two superstar segments in the same week. So Mike's going to join us Sunday, and then Zachary's Web Designs, as you guys know him, is going to join us on Wednesday. So it's going to be a gas. But Mike – Really appreciate you, my friend. He says, I'm feeling good about DeMar Dotson. I think he will be the week three starter, or did you mean to say the week one? Week three? Yeah, well, oh, Tampa Bay. 
that's the Tampa Bay game. Because I could see Wilkinson getting destroyed by TJ Watt in week two against the Steelers, and then it would just precipitate that move. But I don't see it taking that long, obviously. Again, dude, I think based on his veteran experience, he's got 11 years in the league and eight years as a starter. And a very unique um, backstory. Again, I suggest you guys, I recommend, go read that piece that Mike Cliss had. Very interesting and illuminating. But, uh, yeah, I would hope he gets to be the starter in week three because that's – I'm pretty sure – let me pull up the schedule. I'm pretty sure that's the Tampa Bay Bucks game. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you you, you want to be able to get excise, what, you know, whatever – modest amount of revenge you can get for them not bringing you back to block for Tom Brady. I, I could see him getting yanked from week one, the Titans defense against Wilkinson, you know, him, his first game coming off surgery. I, I don't see him if he starts, which I don't think he will. I don't see him lasting in that position for a long chat. He's just literally not a starting tackle or a tackle at all. Yeah. And it is the bucks coming to Denver week three. All right, John, do you have, Cameron, Duke, Zachary, and Ben. Those four, the stream jumped me. I hope you have them. We got Cameron in the house. And this is a, another name that I don't recognize consistently on Super Chat. So welcome, Cameron. Welcome and thank you. Make sure you reach out and connect with us on Twitter so that we can shout you out after the show. That goes for all of our newer Super Chat superstars. He says, digging that swag. How big of a deal do you think drops will be for this young team? Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Deshaun Hamilton, and Noah Fant have all had some issues previously. I mean, it'll happen time to time. I don't foresee it being some plague. I don't think it's going to be something that is going to derail the the Broncos by any stretch. And Jerry Judy, I'm trying to think, does he have any reputation for drops? I mean, every every wide receiver has a few drops each year. You know, it's just part of part of the game. But nevertheless, either way. I'm not so worried about it. You, Zach? No, there's no Demarius Thomas on this team. And like you said, Chad, drops are going to happen. They're part of the game. But the good thing about Locke is he throws a very catchable ball. Tight spirals, soft delivery. I'm not worried about drops for the Broncos offense. Duke jumping in. Duke. Super chat. Being the boss that he is. Appreciate you, my friend. And did you show him what you got behind him? Look at that, Duke. Bookshelf is getting filled out because you love the book. Appreciate it so much. Thank you again. He says, I'll definitely take a reliable Dotson, even though mediocre, over a player like James that has hurt the Broncos due to his unreliability. Excellent point, man. Excellent point. And I think it's a it's a perspective that most Broncos fans at this stage would agree with, and maybe even the Broncos themselves, to be honest with you. God, I mean, God, Chad, after what we've witnessed at right tackle the last five years, I would, again, just be reliable, be consistent, even at left tackle with Garrett Bowles being so unreliable and unstable. Just be consistent. He's going to have some penalties, Dotson, if he starts. Every player gets penalties. He's going to have some holdings, but he's going to be the best right tackle the Broncos have had in quite a while. Not that it's saying much, but I definitely agree with that comment. Just be reliable. Best ability, Chad, is availability. Boom. Speaking of Z-Dub, here he is in the house. Love it. Appreciate that, General. Thank you, Zachary. Zachary. He says, Chad and Zach, I just want to give some love to MHH. Because of you guys, I made two close best friends. And because of it, I am so grateful and blessed for you. That's very Hashtag cool. Wednesday is going to be an amazing opportunity. And yeah, Zachary, that's really cool for us to hear. It's cool to see how these relationships and the chemistry and the bonds the commu- that are taking shape within the, the MHH community and 
And Zachary, we're looking forward to having you on next Wednesday. It's going to be a gas, my friend. Yeah, Zach, thank you so much for your support. And we're glad you're enjoying yourselves. And uh, we're very happy to meet you and, and cross paths with you. And uh, looking forward to talking with you on Wednesday. And then we've got Mr. Ben Roth in the hizzy. It's been a minute since we've seen you in the stream, my friend. It's good to have you. Thanks for the thank super you, chat. He says, what percentage of fans do you think will be allowed at Broncos games if you had to guesstimate? I'm guessing 25% at first, hopefully more later on. That sounds about right if they are allowed at any point in this season to attend. You know, something interesting that has been put forth that's building some steam out there is the idea of fan pods, which is this idea of social distancing obviously is still going to be paramount until a uh, vaccine is achieved. And in the case of these vast, empty stadiums, the idea of – I don't know if it, if they meant covered, you know, like like they're in some little mini dome and but like literally these little sections of these fan pods in different parts of the stadium that are separated by real distance so that the only ones that they have to worry about infection or whatever are the people within their own pod. The pods on the other side of the stadium don't have to worry about this pod infecting them because there are what's what's going on. But, but here's the thing though. They're going to have to get creative on some level if they're going to let fans walk through the the gates at any of these stadiums. It's just, you know, hearing you talk about that, Chad, it's just another reminder. We're so used to what's going on lately, but can you imagine a year ago if, if we would have said this out loud, fan pods at the stadium, social distancing, it's still crazy what's going on. To answer the question, though, I think 25% would be a best-case scenario to start the season, especially since the first six to eight rows are going to be advertising sponsors to make up for the lost revenue. As the season goes on, I don't think the NFL would risk having more people in the stadium. Whatever they can get in is what they're going to get in. Better than no fans, but I'd say 25% is is an overly – I wouldn't say overly optimistic, but that's about where uh, the highest point I would would put it. Honestly, if if stadiums go to similar lengths that they do with the facilities to account for – you know, you got the Purell stations at every turn – you know, you account for some social distancing maybe. But if, if fans are willing to mask up and fans are willing to, you know, you're, you're going to have the first eight or nine rows blocked off. That's a given. We know that's happening this year. But if fans are masked up, I don't see what the problem is of if, a, 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 a you know, blue-blooded American wants to walk through a stadium and for whatever risk they want to take on themselves, whatever it might be, if it's their decision, I don't see why – if, especially if they're going to mask up and do their part. Because someone – who was it? It was a coach that said this, and now I can't remember who it was to credit him. Dang it. But anyway, they said that the mentality we all need to have is, with regard to masks, is act as if you have the bug. So what would you do if you had the bug and you didn't want to expose it to other people? you mask up. And if you have that mentality instead of, I don't want others to give it to me, so I'm going to wear a mask. If you have the mentality of, I'm going to wear it so I don't give it to others, even though you don't have it, it's a more effective way of wearing the mask. But nevertheless, Zach, and I can't remember who said that. And it's bugging me now. But my point, though, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit. But, Zach, my point here is if an American wants to walk into a stadium and take on the risk of getting in his car, well, you just took a risk because cars can be dangerous. It can be dangerous driving in traffic. <laughs> All right, did that risk. Now I have the mental wherewithal to decide whether or not I want to go sit in a stadium and watch football with what's going on around me. 
I think fan, I think they need to leave it up to the fans. I'll be honest with you. I think they should, within reason, maybe you don't give it a full capacity in terms of you got to have some kind of a social distancing guideline in place. But if fans want to go, dang it, let them go. Mask up. Unfortunately, it's not up to the teams or the fans, though. It's up to the governors. So if, if Jared Paulus, Paulus, whatever, however you pronounce his name, the governor of Colorado, if he says that, oh, if there's an outbreak in cases or a surge, no fans at all, and then they're gonna, he's going to cut them off. Look at the Jets and the Giants. Uh, Phil Murphy, I think, is the governor of Jersey. And he there's no fans at the games this year. It's zero, not even 5%. So that's the only thing that's standing between fans going to stadiums and teams having fans in their stadiums is, is the political aspect to it, like everything else. Mm-hmm. And look. Jared Paulus has done a good job, I think, managing his situation in the fair state of Colorado. He does a great job. I would be – I mean, if, if the teams came up with some kind of a solution for social distancing and you – I mean, they already sent their letters out to, to season ticket holders on what to expect this year. If I'm the governor – or I should say, if I'm the Broncos, I'm putting a call in saying, hey, man, let us do it. If, if people want to come, if people want to – if they're willing to mask up – and they want to come, and we do it with, you know, so, some level of preventative measures with Purell stations and social distancing. Let us do it. Like I'd be trying to really uh, lobby with the with the state to to make that happen. Anyway, Kevin jumping in, KP in the house, showing Thank some you, love. Kevin. Appreciate you, dog. He says, "Where are the Chiefs getting all this money?" Signed Kelsey today, which yeah, big deal for Travis Kelsey, the tight end. Fourteen million over four years today. And 95 to 15 to to mega deals as well. Chris Jones and Mahomes. Right. Yeah, that's a thing that was a lament for many Broncos fans today as they saw that deal with Travis Kelsey on the heels of the deal for the other two, as he mentions there, and go, John Elway couldn't rub a few pennies together and figure out a long-term deal for Justin Simmons. <laughs> I get the argument that it's not apples to apples, but it, I think it's a fair point fans are making at this stage. Like, if you wanted to get that deal done, you didn't really have the excuse of, of lowered potential revenue as a viable excuse. And I think that's a decision that's going to haunt the Broncos because I think Simmons is going to come in and have another all-pro level year, and his price tag's only going to climb. Two points about this. First of all, I said it on a pod when they signed Mahomes. Brett Veach, the Chiefs GM, is a, is probably a top three guy in the NFL. To have as little money as he did and to sign your three cornerstone players to extensions, just great job making things happen. Second of all, the salary cap, I said it before, I'll say it again, it is a myth. It was back in March, the Chiefs didn't have enough money to buy a PS4, and they give Patrick Mahomes a half-billion-dollar contract. They locked down Chris Jones, who everyone said would walk after the season. They re-signed Travis Kelsey to a market, not resetting contract, but up there with George Kittle. Uh, it's just, it's a myth. You can always finesse it. You can always be flexible with it. And these teams, the Cowboys said this about Dak Prescott yesterday. They blamed COVID for not signing him. It's mm-hmm. not because of that. No. If, if you want it badly enough, you will make it happen. It, it's 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 a myth. It, it's very fluid. You can massage the salary cap. If they wanted to sign Simmons, you can blame CV all you want. It's because they didn't want to pay him what he wanted to be paid. It's as simple as that. It's a talking point. It's a convenient excuse. That's all it is. It's not the truth. Right. Not that it doesn't play a role, but again, they're showing that if that where there's a will, there's a way. You can get so creative with deals. You can find places to. To, to defer the signing bonuses over this. You know, there's a lot of roster magic that these cap wizards can can execute. And John Allen just decided to kick that can down the road. 
And I think fans are justified to seeing all these deals going down in Kansas City, superstar deals, to question why it didn't happen. What the heck? And I think Elway's going to pay the price eventually for it. And I just, unfortunately, I think what that means is he's either going to have to pay it a premium down the road, which if he wasn't willing to pay a premium this year, what would you? What would make him then want to pay it a premium down the road? You think, well, my only answer to that is Elway wants to see Justin Simmons do it again. And if he does it again, he'll pony up the cash. All right, we are way over an hour. I just realized that. Gosh, time flies when you're having fun. So let's literally power through these really quickly here. Zach, we got Roger jumping back in. Another hey. guy jumping from Facebook onto YouTube so that they can super chat. Much love to you, Roger. Appreciate your generosity as a Facebook supporter and then also as a superstar. Other than Locke's strong arm, what other strengths does he have? How mobile is he? Roger, he's very mobile. He's like a he's like a point guard out there. He's a former basketball guy. In fact, basketball is probably his first love. But he's athletic. He's smart. Uh, he proved that last year. He's got a work ethic. He eats, breathes, sleeps football. I mean, he's magnetic personality when it comes to leadership traits and getting guys to follow him. What I guess the question at this stage is: What strength? What are his? What cons does he have? What I mean, what strengths? What traits that you need for the quarterback in the NFL does Locke not possess? That's probably the better question. Experience. And that's through no fault of his own. He has everything else. Charisma, the it factor, intangibles, tangibles. He really is a complete package for the most part. And he's slipperier than you think he is in the pocket. His his sack escapability last year, that stat proved that, Chad. We got Dennis Woods jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Superstar. He says, no questions. Just want to show some love and appreciation. We appreciate that, Thank you, Dennis. my friend. Denver Broncos for life. And, of course, hashtag state of being from Michigan. Love you, Dennis. Appreciate you, bro. We got Richard Pasha jumping in, showing some love on Super Chat. Thank you. Can't wait to hear some live trading camp analysis from Steve Outwater. And it looks like Locke is slinging it in all the highlight videos. Great show, as always, guys. Thank you, Richard. And, Richard, if you're on Twitter, reach out and connect so that we know who to, to shout out and tag after each show. Chris, with his reminder, each and every show, Supporting the cause on Super Chat. We love you, bro. And also reminding you guys, smash the like button. Click those little thumbs up, as he says. In fact, Zach, I think I weirded out Chris the other day. I was telling John this story. I was I was uh, messaging Chris because, as I mentioned, I think it was on last night's show. It might have been earlier. I botched the whole scheduling of August for the Superstar segments. And Chris was one of the um, – you know, he was he was one of the collateral damaged in that scenario. And anyway, I was DMing him on Twitter. I'm like, we ended up getting it figured out what we were going to do. And I'm like, all right, man, you know I love you, bro. Later. And he's like, uh, much love to you too, guy. <laughs> hey, Chris, Thank no, you, Chris. Don't, don't, don't get weirded <laughs> out by it. I just was taught uh, that you tell people how you feel about them. That's all. And it's not it's nothing weird about it, dog. I love you. It's all good. Okay, as a, as another man loveth another. What's the, what's the phrase? The platonics. All right, so don't, don't get too weirded out by it, Chris. He's right, hard are, Chris. Don't worry. Very. All right, we are way over, so let me try and – John, I don't know if you've already got one here queued up, but we don't like to leave any of our superstars out in the cold. Mundungus, appreciate you, my friend. <laughs> Anyone else think James <laughs> – is a Nair commercial gone? Like, I think you got some on your eyebrows. It's, Oops, like if you had a, it's like if you had a toddler that got into mom's Nair 
and you come home and or you come from around the corner, you've been in the kitchen and you go to the bathroom and their oh, hair's wow. gone. Excellent. Excellent yeah. joke from the whiz. Appreciate you, my friend. Uh, John, I'm checking to see if there's anyone else we might've missed here. I got to ch- jump into, into YouTube real quick and see, Oh, do you have Pobby? Cause, cause Mundungus is the next closest one. I don't know if you got her. There she is. Wow. God bless her. Pobby. She's a Facebook supporter. She was a, she's a super chat superstar first. Then she's MHH Mount Rushmore. Then she, when we put out the call to action on Facebook to become a supporter, she supports over there. Anyway, Pobby, we love you. We appreciate you. Thanks for what you do for MHH and for the Huddle Up podcast and what you mean to the community. So thank you for being with us again tonight. All right. What about, oh man, what about Ron Dub? Do you have Ron Dub? John, no? Okay, let me do it the old-fashioned way because we do not leave any of our superstars out in the cold, even on the nights where we run a little bit long, but we'll we'll be okay here. I just got to – oh, awesome. Good to hear. Good to hear. She got her power back, did Pobby. All right, let me see here. And I keep trying to tell all of our uh, – by the way, for what it's worth, Pobby, I keep trying to tell the other podcasts, it's not Pabby, it's not Pabby, it's Pobby. Get it straight. All right. Here's Rhonda bringing the, the questions and the and the super chat love. Appreciate you, my friend. Another great hey guys, question. Wow. Besides the Chiefs, which opponent's offense will give our defense the biggest challenge? Probably the Saints, to be honest yep. with you. I mean, that's a good question. I wish it was a we found it a little bit earlier in the pod. We could let our hair down. But if I'm being honest with you, it's Drew Brees and that Saints offense that yeah, I'm thinking, um, you know, not the Bills. I don't think the Buccaneers. The Steelers, I happen to think that Roethlisberger is going to have a really good season this year. A very well-coached team. Uh, could give them some fits in week two. Top of my head, though, yeah, I'm saying Drew Brees and the Saints. That's a Super Bowl-caliber team, and I think in his final season, they're going to be very tough. Now they have Emmanuel Sanders, too, so revenge game. We also got Derek Green jumping back in to say, appreciate you, my friend, Thank on you, Super Derek. Chat. Anyone know how much cap space the Chiefs the Chiefs really have. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, now Travis Kelsey going to be around forever. He's going to be around for any, at least the next four years beyond 2020 anyway. So five years, I think, actually. But, uh, but yeah, it's bizarre, man. It's, again, where there's – this is true in anything in life. Where there's a will, more often than not, there is a way. And the Chiefs are finding that way because they have the will. All right, we got – Pobby, Mundungus, and then one more from Duke here I see, and I have access to that one, and then we're out for tonight. Appreciate you, Duke. means a lot. He says, shout out to ZWD. Can't wait for Zachary's pod with y'all. Again, that's going to be next Wednesday, and we're looking forward to it as well. It's going to be a gas. But, gang, that's got to do it for tonight's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Um, Hold on. James here saying they're already 15 to 20 million over – a 2021 cap of 175 million with the rollover. So if it ends up being the floor based on the new CBA is that the the salary cap can go no lower than 175 million next year, regardless of what revenue does this year. So there's a chance it's going to be greater than 175, but that's the the floor. And he says with the with the rollover, they're already 15 to 20 million over are the Chiefs in 2021, and they're going to have 37 pending free agents, guys hitting. Uh, exclusive rights and restricted free agency could easily add up to 10 million just in tenders. So eventually that Piper is going to have to get paid in Kansas city 
Um, but I mean, as you as you, uh, you mentioned, Zach Veach is a very creative and innovative GM. If I were a Chiefs fan, I wouldn't worry too much about it. But guys, we got to get out of here for tonight. <clears throat> Thanks to each and every one of you for joining us. Mile high salute to our super chat superstars and to our Facebook supporters. We love you guys. Here's where we go from here. Zach and I, we're off tomorrow night. We're off Saturday. But make sure you stick around and are on those live streams because you got Dove Valley Deep Divers Friday night, 6 to 7. And then you got Mile High Insiders Saturday, 6 to 7. And then Zach and I are going to be back in the saddle Sunday night, 6 to 7 Mountain Time. And we will have uh, Mike with us. Mike Evans is going to be on the show that night with a, a super char- a superstar segment. And we are looking forward to it. But in the meantime, gang, make sure you are following my partner here, Zach Kelberman on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL. You can follow me at Chad and Jensen. And then, again, I tell you guys at the end of every show, make sure you're also following John, John Cronenberg on Twitter. It's at John KMHH, as we all know and love him, Buona Beast. He's a great Twitter follow. Trust me on that. And he's on top of all the news. Anything MHH is, is tweeting out there from content and news and analysis – he conveys that right on, and, and he's just a great follow. Trust on that. But, guys, we got to get out of here for tonight. And, again, shout-out to each and every one of you for making the time. And uh, we love talking with you, and the time flew by. We're already 15 minutes, 16 minutes now, well over our uh, allotted hour. So we got to get out of here. Zach, have a great weekend, bro. You too, Chad. Everyone else out there, great weekend. Two Super Chat segments coming up, Superstar segments. We've got padded practices starting. I'm getting excited, Chad. Football season. It's on, y'all. It is on. Jerry, good to see you, my dog. All right, we got to get out of here. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll see you Sunday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.